Hey, super quick before we get into this week's episode. If you'd love a load of guides on how to generate more leads, how to chase sales, Canva graphics for your social media, Facebook ads, copy, and so much more for free, simply head over to thefitproportal.com forward slash free. Anyway, let's dive into this week's episode. Morning, guys, and welcome to the FitPro Legion podcast. Today we have a brand new guest interview. Rob, welcome to the podcast. How are things? I'm good, David. I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on. Good man, good man. I'm smiling because like the sun is out. It never, it's never sunny in Wales. It's like never sunny in Wales. <laughs> uh, it's so when it rains for a few days. Yeah, no. It's yeah, it's beautiful weather. Absolutely beautiful weather. Beautiful. Let's just hope it continues, especially for the summer conference that you've got coming up soon. But we'll yes. dive into that a bit later on. So, um, obviously, you're the guy. If anybody, actually, no. Before we dive into you're the guy, let's find out why you're the guy. How did you get started in the fitness industry initially, and kind of walk us up to where you are today? Yes, yeah, um, it makes me feel old when I say this, but I'm probably like 20 years in now. So you know when people turn around and say, "I've got 20 years experience," and then you, they're like, "You look up to them as sort of this big respectable bloke." It's like that's me. So I, I started probably like most people. I wanted to do something in and around fitness, sports, and that sort of thing. I got a job as a lifeguard because I thought that was a way in. Um, yeah. I did a lifeguard for a little while. I did all those jobs: lifeguard, reception, membership sales. But I landed on my feet when. I went to work for Star Trek, which is now Core Health, who supply the commercial equipment, which you'd recognise as Stairmaster, Nautilus, those guys. So that's where yeah. I kind of landed on my feet. Um, Midlands rep, just going out selling gym kit into gyms across across the Midlands and a, a little bit further afield. Um, always seemed to strike a strike a chord with the independent sector. I'd always get on well with them and walk in and have a chat with the, uh, the owner. Like yourself, you know, if I came into your studio when you had it, we'd you'd be there we'd just have a chat about the brands that we work with and I just got on really well with them on the flip side when I started looking at local authority and leisure centers it's like the barriers would come up you couldn't get anywhere so I just gravitated naturally towards those independent operators the one-man band type setups because it was it was an easy conversation and I just enjoyed that much more so so that's where the independent game came from I suppose um we set up a little Facebook group to sell some kit pulled all my customers into it and it evolved into what it is today with the sort of 2000 plus facilities represented in the in the group and, uh, and a membership business off the back of it really yes yeah. so you started the group just to kind of sell equipment really then yeah literally, i remember it vividly we had a ton of used equipment in a, in a warehouse in holland the customers in the midlands just loved cheap kit demo stuff uh, i thought how can i sell it quickly it was either a whatsapp group or a, a facebook group and i thought if it's a whatsapp group that's never going to stop. At least you can switch off from Facebook in theory. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we set up a Facebook group. I called it Independent Gyms because I didn't think anybody would join a group called Rob's Use Gym Equipment. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so it's uh, we we sold a lot of kit, but not in a pushy way. It was more sort of sort of advisory. We'd post the odd bits and pieces at the start, but pretty rapidly it became obvious that it was going to be more useful as a resource to support each other as opposed to me proactively selling equipment. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> we were just talking before the call started there's somebody upstairs on the other office drilling so again if anybody does hear a drill go off or a dog barking it, because it's totally live and we can't yeah, I have a, i've got the smallest dog yeah. but he's got the biggest mouth <laughs> so on. tell us more about the group now for the people yeah. who don't know what the group is yeah so facebook group independent gym owners uk and ireland um we we encourage anybody who, is a, who owns a facility, the two criteria, physical location. So we, 
we're not as good as boot camps in the park are we're not that we're not interested in those kind of sort of businesses it's a physical location and your classic owner operated sites so like you had where the owner is in the business he, he might be running it as a as an overall general manager but he might be cleaning the toilets he might be pt and reception that kind of thing they're the kind of members we that we we want and we we try to serve um, and yeah, we just invite gym owners to join us. The community in the Facebook group is all about peer-to-peer support. It's a you know Q and A type thing. You ask if you're after something, you can post in the group and see if what people recommend. If you want advice and, and guidance, that kind of thing. So that's very peer-to-peer. But off the back of that, we basically developed a, a membership platform for gym owners where they can save money on everything they might want within their business, whether it's equipment, the obvious one, or, or insurance or cleaning supplies. Generally, we look at the conversations and whatever's popular at the time, we'll try and find a solution for them that we offer then through the membership platform. I was very conscious that we keep the Facebook group a support such structure as opposed to a sales platform, which is why you're, you're obviously in the group yourself and you see we don't allow any commercial posts because we don't, it's not about making money off the people in the group in that respect. It's about the support that gyms can provide each other or that we can provide um, as a business to everybody. So you you said you look at the questions coming in to the group then. So let's have a look. What do you see as the most common three or four questions that keep popping up in the group, which everybody really should need to know this kind of information? Do you know that it's it's a mixed bag and it changes all the time. There's a couple of funny ones that always come back. Um, you know, advice on a kit is the, is the obvious one. What people think of particular brands. I won't mention any brands because there's good and bad in the industry and, and and everybody has their favorite, but there's always a good chat around brands of equipment or types of equipment, you know, various trends come and go. Um, I remember seeing things about pendulum squats. What's the best pendulum squat? And it's quite a narrow question, but we had sort of 30 or 40 responses of all yeah, different yeah. brands. So they're, they're, they're quite interesting. Um, industry events that are going on, people are asking about those. So obviously we had Fit Expo recently, which is a relatively new event. We've got Elevate coming up and then we have our own events. The one that gets me is, and it, it makes me laugh every time it comes up, is is which vacuum should people buy? It, it, it's, it's like it's an obvious question, but it, it always it always comes up once a month. Which vacuum should I buy? And for the record, Henry always wins. Henry, who? The drilling has stopped. It's the drill again. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That is such a big question. So, like, when we obviously had the gym and we'd have the black tiles on the floor. Mm. We'd, we've been through like three or four different type of tile cleaners and this is what the group is good for because like everybody in the group has black rubber flooring so you can just go in there and see what everybody else is using and you, you just like you say you just think some something simple like that is quite a big topic to talk about yeah exactly yeah no, you're right it is it's a frustration of a day-to-day sort of gym owner and pre-lockdown, pre there was nowhere really to go for advice for an independent. If you were a chain gym, you've got head office resources, that kind of thing. But the independents had nowhere. Lockdown kicked in. We won't dwell on that too much. But overnight, we, we doubled our number in terms of people in the group because we kind of became that one place to look. So it, it, it's really useful for the big picture conversations. So there's a massive debate going on at the minute around VAT on memberships in leisure centres. And that's a really tricky one, so I won't go into that. So there's a lot of chat about that, right through to what vacuum should I use? And it's it's that obvious. There's other things about sort of moral questions where they've got a member who might be causing a bit of trouble, and what do they do about it, sort of thing. 
Even the old, uh, I've got a member who stinks. How do I tell him? That comes up every six months, which is yeah. really awkward. And it's and he, we, we joke about it, but it's probably happened in every gym up and down the country. There'll be someone oh. there that for some reason, whatever it may be, their, their personal hygiene isn't the best. And it's how do you how do you talk to that person without pissing them off? Because you, But you have to because your other members are getting pissed off about it as well. It's, um, you, yeah. you know what I th also like about these type of groups really is that that you can talk to people that have things in common so mm -hmm. me and Holly often say like we don't really have many friends that understand us because what we know is how to run a fitness business how to yeah. look after people how to serve people and how to do all this yet when you go and talk to your friends outside of your day-to-day -day environment and you're talking to them about what's going on in the business and maybe finances and payroll and all this other stuff and that well that's not in my nine to five tool job and it's just not the same but when you connect to other fit pros other business owners and you can have these really interesting conversations that obviously you're invested in it just makes it a lot easier to chat to people yeah 100 percent. and i think our industry is probably the best industry in the world and i'll def defend it like there's no tomorrow but it's it's a really nuanced industry as well and you have we have to be a, a surrounded by fellow fitness professionals people in a similar boat to lean on for the support and the guidance particularly from an independent sector because as i say we don't have a head office resource head office function that we can go to we kind of try to be that if we can we've got plans around providing support in bigger areas so it's a marketing and membership drives but it's it's that peer-to-peer -peer sort of community that we've developed which is probably the biggest value for for everybody in the group the membership platform's great and we do some great savings and some resources um but yeah it's all about that community for having a fellow gym owner even if they're in the same town or the opposite end of the country just somebody that you can lean on and say, what do I do in this instance? Nice. So let's go now to maybe some of the biggest struggles. What are the biggest struggles that you're seeing most uh, kind of like independent run gyms and studios struggling right now with? Yes. I mean, there's, there's a few big struggles as well. The big struggle, but it's probably the same for everyone, is utilities, which is kind of changing a little bit. And we've got a plan in place for that. That's the same that every site suffers from. Though. You'll hear leisure centres with a swimming pool where their gas, their, their electricity bills have gone from you know, quarter of a million to a million pound a year, which is huge. Our guys have the same issue. Um, the bigger issues for our guys, though, is probably the resource side of things. Whereas I think back to my David Lloyd days, there was a department for everything and a person for everything. So membership sales, retention, it was all done. The independent world, the owner generally has to do a bit of everything and look in on most, most sites. We did a bit of research. Most sites tend to have an average of about four employees. But those four employees literally do everything that needs doing in the business. So you won't have a dedicated salesperson, for example, but it will be everybody will muck in on a sales process. There's no dedication for a retention resource, but everybody will muck in on that process. So for us and our guys, it's about how do we how do we make life easy? How do the gym owners make life easy? We spoke about automation before, particularly from a sales perspective, which you guys do really well. It's things like that to, to get the best bang for their buck in terms of the resources that they have. Okay, so let's talk about those sections or the dedicated staff members. So, like you say, you've been through David Lloyd, and obviously now you like you've, you've visited us and you've visited loads of other gyms around the UK and Ireland. What are the main roles that most studio commercial gyms kind of need to have in place to really be able to grow and move forwards? Yeah, I, I think weighing in the fact that budgets are going to be lower in a, within an independent as a rule. Um, you find that 
staff tend to be cross-department almost or multifunctional within their roles. The big focus is probably around the PT world, getting a PT in. And what tends to happen is, and I've seen it in two ways, we see they're a paid employee, but they do a bit of everything. They open the club, close the club, and that sort of thing. Or they're freelance and they, within the right sort of legislation, they'll work sort of hours for pay, if that makes sense. So they'll work for free, but then they PT for free, that sort of thing. So that's probably the number one, because they can run the gym floor, they can PT at the same time, they can unlock and close the door, sell the protein bars, that kind of thing. I think you get very few independents where they'll have a dedicated receptionist. There are some out there, but they tend to be the slightly bigger clubs. But there's very few that have a dedicated receptionist. The owner will be on reception. The owner will be working the gym floor. The owner will be cleaning. I say cleaning the toilets. It's, it's an obvious example, but they're you know they're getting the vac out and to keep it going because they have to muck in. They don't have the, the luxury of having that one person that stands on reception all day. It's, it's yeah. sort of you're on and off. But I think that's the beauty of independence is that these people work around and you, you see them in all areas of the club. It's not just the one person doing that one job. So yeah. we've got to be clever with our resource. <clears throat> so you mentioned there about um, um, falling in line. What do you say when when you take like a, a self-employed PT rents from you and stuff? Yeah. And obviously there's loads of things coming recently about that over the last couple of years. What are some of the things that us as fitness business owners doing that maybe we need to look into more that we maybe didn't know about those specific rules yeah and I th it, it gets quite i think it's quite nuanced and quite technical i think um so you probably want to chat to a hr profession but essentially there's a whole i think you can have a case with uber taxes where they were deemed to be employees even though they were all freelance because they they only worked for uber and they were dictating what hours they did and they dictated the pay so effectively they were uber staff but didn't get the benefits of that so the, the, we've got to be careful but essentially a lot of our guys would do the, the pt is the obvious one they'll they'll cover a certain number of shifts maybe two shifts a week in exchange for them being able to pt on the gym floor and take the money from that so there's no money changes hands officially or unofficially yeah. but essentially i'll work two shifts for you for free but then i can pt and everything i make is mine and that's a, a useful model for some i know a couple of gyms that are doing that within the right sort of legal frameworks, I would say, I'm sure they're doing it all properly, but it means that they, they almost get a life back. So I think a lot of independents open a gym and end up working seven days a week or six days a week from seven till nine at night. And it's like, there's no life around other than around the gym. So they use this model of having a PT or, or a member of staff that works, they, they'll open the club or they close the club and it gives them that life back, but it means they don't have to then pay a wage officially, unofficially. Um, but they don't take the revenue off the back of the PT as well. So then they have to play that into their retention piece. And if they've got great PTs that are, the members are loving and utilising, they're likely to stick around a lot longer than if their PTs were rubbish and they didn't enjoy that session. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So is there any other areas that maybe we're kind of diving into that maybe we should, we should do some more research because maybe it's not exactly above board, if that makes sense? uh no i think i think i mean that's probably the only gray area i think is the staffing thing um i think most gyms they should have their own accountant accountant can guide on on tax and and wages and salaries and all that kind of stuff i think i've always said use specialists in areas that you're not a specialist in so yeah. obviously you're a specialist in lead generation and memberships as a gym owner if i if I had an independent gym myself, which is randomly I don't, but as a, as a gym owner, I would probably employ, I'd take somebody like yourselves and let you run my membership sales 
process and I generally should deal with the person when they're in the door. Um, same with the accountancy, same with marketing, all those areas I'm not a specialist in, I would pay somebody else to do. So I think we can avoid a lot of the great issues. Just that HR one, I think um, it's usually when it comes down to money, isn't it? Saving money and how do we do it right? Any recommendations? Any recommendations on the HR front that maybe people watch you could reach out to? And oh, you've to? Got me. there is one. I'll, I'll be able to dig one out. Somebody mentioned it the other day. We act randomly. We don't have a HR partner at the moment, which is something we are looking into. Um, some of the accountants tend to understand the HR side of things a little bit and probably have a closer link. So I'll, probably, I'll name drop Debbie because I know you've had Debbie on in the past. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Safe for accountancy. I can't um, think who we use. It's a, it's a citation. Well, citation's probably health and safety, I think. Yeah. Oh, I can't think who we use for, for, for the office here where we staff have to sign the contract. What, what our guys tend to do is use, with a lot of the resources, we go out and try and save them money on supplies, but it's usually the big equipment and we partner with the big brands. So, for example, Gym 80, um, with chance with you, there's Core Health and Fitness are obviously on board, Origin, Indigo. So we've got some real big names, Watt Bike, Powerplate. They're nationwide or global suppliers. But when it comes down to something like HR, there's probably a member of your gym that is either working in that field. Or yeah, 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 yeah. It's the same with, with clothing printing. Obviously, you've got your um, FitPro clothing. Yeah. What we find when we try to find a, a clothing partner to work with, yes, we have some great partners and we've had some great brands that we've worked with, but gym owners will go to somebody in their gym or their local guy. A lot of gyms are on industrial estates and there's probably a printing yeah. company within a mile of most gyms and it's just so the hr there's a lot of resources like that where you'll go local because it's around the corner it's a quick conversation and it's almost a, a bit of a, a swap of services if you like so a free membership for a bit of advice that kind of thing Hey, it's going to pause it there for literally two seconds. If you're loving this week's episode, please let us know in the comments below and don't forget to subscribe. The more people we can get subscribing, the bigger guests we can get and the more people we can help with the content being shared. Anyway, let's dive back into today's episode. Nice. So let's. So on Wednesday, we had uh, Barry Mack coming on talking about additional revenue and obviously you've been into so many gyms yourself because yeah. that's obviously your your game so instead of just memberships how other else are you seeing others being able to generate revenue away from actual just typical memberships it's i've seen a i've seen a mixed bag the the obvious one is so your membership is your main income there's been a massive swing i'd say over the last 10 years really in my time in terms of day pass revenue because it used to be everything had to be a member if you're not a member you can't come in particularly for yeah. the likes of david lloyd and those guys you could bring your wife or you could bring your friend as a guest, but you couldn't just walk in and pay. The independent sector, and I saw this from Strength Asylum about seven years ago up in Stoke-on-Trent. They were doing something like a, I don't, I don't want to say another, a huge amount of day pass revenue every week because it was convenient. People wanted to just come in and pay a fiver and have a workout. So they had the membership and the day pass revenue. And I think a lot of gyms are looking at that now. There's almost a gym tourism where people will be a member of one gym and they'll go and use two or three others. Or they'll travel a couple of hours to go and try out a new gym. So yeah. that's that's another one. I think open the door and be accepting of day pass revenue. But I think it has to be more expensive than a membership would be if you're using it three times. I think you've got to look after your members and make sure your day pass. If you're coming in on a day pass every week, it should cost you more than it would if you was a committed member. Alongside that, obviously, PT revenue. And I think that's almost going in two ways now. You've got the classic one-to-one -one PT, which might be anywhere from – it should be 30, 40, 50 pound an hour, depending on where you are. 
But then you've got the small group PT, which is another business model in its own right. So I think you followed the small group training model, yeah. um, which is almost, it's not a cheap PT, it's a structured program, but that's hugely lucrative. And I think a lot of gyms are heading that way because you also have a better retention. I think if your members are engaged in regular sessions with an instructor, they tend to stick around longer. So that's another one to look at. The big one for me and the easy one, which I think you grow over time, is just simple secondary spend. I think a lot of gyms are nervous about investing into stock, whether it's consumables or whether it's clothing. But having a good secondary spend offering, it can add a huge amount to your bottom line. I know gyms that are doing 40% of their revenue through through secondary spend. Um, and if you take it serious, then you can make some good money. I think you've got to not be scared to have a good display. I think there's nothing worse than an empty shop. No one goes into an empty shop. So if you've got a re- if you've got a reception area that's that's provisioned to sell bars, drinks, plates, but your fridge is always empty, no one's going to stop and buy the last can of grenade. So keeping those shelves filled. If you do a clothing line for me, I think it's I think you'll get the, the loyal members that will buy Rob's gym T-shirt, but they'll only buy one unless you keep changing it. So I think you need yeah. to sort of mix that up as well. Um, retail for me and secondary spend is all about variety and keeping it interested and if it's the same thing all the time it just becomes not natural and they don't the members won't look at it whereas if there's something new then they it sort of catches their eye and they're more likely to buy into it but then i also think rambling on here if the staff are proactive in the conversations around particularly around drinks when members are coming out of the gym oh, are you grabbing a bar do you want a bite to eat that kind of thing it kind of encourages them to buy whereas if the members if your team don't chat to the members they're just going to walk out and say goodbye and you lose that secondary sale. Nice. Yeah. Something we did push a lot when we had the studio, we try and push people at OnFit Pro Clothing now is to come up with one new design every month because you, like you say, you have those loyal members who will buy the new design every yeah. single month because they want to keep with it. And that's such a, even if it's just an extra £10 profit per person, that ramps up quite quickly. We've got 20, yeah. 30, 40 people buying it every month. Yeah, exactly. And I think if they can, I'm a sucker. So every time I go to the gym, I buy a protein bar. I don't need it, but it's like, I'll have a protein bar. I feel like I've worked out. I'll have grab one. But it's £2.50 a time. So yeah. I'll probably go in maybe three times a week as an average. But over the course of the month, £30 extra in the pocket of a gym owner. It's probably £10, £15 profit. But it's just because they have a good display and it's like, I'll grab a bar. And they're chatting to me on the way out. So I think on the flip side of that, where a lot of our guys are now looking at vending solutions, because of resources, if that person isn't on reception all the time, if there's a vending machine, either in reception or on the gym floor now, that's quite a clever trick. But there's a vending machine on the gym floor. It's a convenient purchase. You grab your phone, you tap and go, and you've got a drink at a bar. It's extra revenue. And we're seeing gyms that are making a lot of money out of vending solutions as well. So obviously we've got the, the products that you can buy from Tropicana and from all these other places, but how many people are you seeing that have their own white label version of supplements? Is that a big um, thing? I think white label, it's probably a changing game and I've not looked into it properly, but historically you'd have to have massive minimum order quantities and it's almost unviable unless you've got a big audience. I think back in the day, gyms like Strength Asylum, which were kind of outliers in terms of how big and popular they were, would have their own range. I think the minimum order quantities are starting to come down with yeah. white label so i think it's easier having said that though you still need to have a sell through to justify it i think if you've got a big enough audience a big enough member base i think it can work but i think you probably need a thousand members 800 to a thousand members to really to really maximize white label products i often wonder is it easier 
to buy the brands that people recognize. Grenades, an obvious conversation. Everybody talks about grenades in Sainsbury's and everywhere you go, but they're still selling tons of bars through the gyms that we work with because it's convenient and people know it. So if you take the popular brands compared to a white label brand, which one are people going to buy? I think they're more likely to buy the, the brands that people recognize as opposed to a white label. I think the white label product almost then becomes like your clothing line. You get the loyal members that will buy the white label, your branded protein bars, protein shakes, whatever it might be. But I think more people are likely to buy the brands that they recognize in the shops, like the Grenades, Nutraminos, C4, all that kind of thing, as opposed to white label. There are still gyms that do it, but I think you need a big audience. You need a big audience in person and online if you're wanting to branch into that route as well. And that's a quite an interesting one, really. So I think the point there also is if you're going to do a mixed range, then maybe it's not worth a white label. But if you're only going to do your own supplements, then just do that and don't start bringing in these other brands that people know. Yeah, yeah I suppose in another way, if you're... I suppose if you take the boutique sector, go to London, for example, boutique gyms, they're very sort of clean and trendy sort of places. To then have random protein bars might look a bit odd in that environment. So they might yeah. then want, take BXR, it's not independent, BXR, awesome gyms. They might have a BXR range of protein, protein shakes, that kind of thing. I think it can work in that respect where you want a real clean brand. I think for most gyms, though, it's about leveraging the power of other brands to make more money off the back of that. So I think, yeah, I think there's plenty of wholesalers out there that, are, that you can go to to buy smaller quantities of the brands that you recognize, that people then buy into. Um, there's no right or wrong answer, is there, really? It's one of those. It's uh, yeah. how do you want it's to represent your club? Yeah. It's just interesting because obviously you're in so many and you visit so many. It's just get good to get the insight from you that these are the questions other people are going to be asking. And then another one, then let's go back to the bread and butter are you still seeing off-peak and on-peak memberships as the main one, or have people just kind of now just switched to one membership only? It, it kind of comes and goes. I think there's almost two polar extremes. You get some gyms that will have every membership they can possibly think of, and it's too confusing. So, you know, 15 to 20 categories. And then you're like, you really are trying to find the needle in the haystack as which membership is best for people. And then the other side is, is peak and off-peak. And I think peak and off-peak is probably the best sort of sort of option for most gyms. You either want to come in the evenings or you don't. So that's if you peak or off peak. And then maybe drop in a, a slight discount for various sort of sectors. NHS is the obvious one, blue light, sort of medical, those sorts of things, or big corporates. Um, personally, I think we can almost go away. I think we're quite cheap as an industry. I spend far more on coffee than I do on gym membership. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I don't think twice about buying Starbucks three or four times a week. So we, I think the average, well, we've got research, the average membership for an independent gym is about £44. Now, I think that's skewed a little bit from the likes of the group training gyms where they'll maybe charge 100 to 150 but you get a different product. So I would say most conventional gyms are in the region of about 30 to £35. It's not a lot of money compared to everything else that people spend money on. And to offer a discount on that or a huge array of membership options, I think it just muddies the water and confuses things. So, and what are your thoughts then on couples membership and family memberships and all those like is is that kind of going into like the opposite end to not just having peak and off peak i think i think a family membership in the right environment if you're a club that offers a lot of youth activity 
And I, again, go back to the David Lloyd days. It was a huge timetable of kids' activities. It makes sense to have a child membership, but it was more of an add-on. So you'd have the, the, the husband and wife and the kids would join. I think a couple's membership, it depends on how you want. Do you just want pure quantity? And usually you'll get like two mates that want to join on the same membership. And I think that gets really confusing. I wouldn't do that myself. I would do a husband and wife. You know, if you are genuinely a couple living in the same address. But I think you get into the whole admin ball acre then of asking people to prove they live together for the saving of maybe a fiver. Sometimes I think if you don't offer it, they can't complain. So if you literally just do a peak and an off peak and that's it, separate direct debits. If you're £30 a month and they want to pay 50 it's like, well, so five reach is not that much difference. Pure Gym's probably only going to be 22 23 quid anyway, not that much difference in price. I think if you focus on your product and your service and your, your facility as opposed to the discount they can get on a membership, I think you probably have a better rate. Than. So if we go back to where you were talking about, like you had somebody at the front desk and that person at the front desk is scanning their memberships or just nodding and letting them in and so forth what are the kind of new systems that a lot of people are using obviously we've all been into pure gym where you have to go into that little that little kind of like suction chamber where it lets you in one door and lets you out (laughs) and like you can get stuck and stuff what are some of the the better ways that are coming through these days about letting people in and their membership softwares and stuff i think i think the independents are almost catching up with the bigger chains in turn not necessarily pure gym in terms of access but access control is an is a conversation that comes up a lot i think 24 hour access is another one but they're not all going that way i think what people are looking at is how can we do unmanned hours be that day or evening and how can our members let themselves in and how can we track that they're in and still have an experience within the club so we're seeing a lot of chat around access control particularly whether that's turnstiles or whether it's pods or whether it's door access control um we see more and more gyms that are introducing that because they almost want a life back. It's the same scenario with the gym owner doing everything. If somebody phones in sick on a Sunday, the gym owner's got no choice but to go in unless they have yeah. these access controls in place, which when you first start out, I think you you might not mind quite so much because it's your baby, but when you're, when you're an established gym and you're constantly having to cover shifts, then that becomes a bit frustrating. So I think looking at the access control through the membership platform that you use, to allow members to let themselves in, whether that's PIN number, QR codes, that kind of thing. It's really, it's an investment, but I think it's quite, it's relatively simple now with the, with the way technology is developing to be able to do unmanned hours. It's how you then track that those people are coming in because I think you've got to be aware of, and I don't think a lot of independents do this enough, is retention stats and usage stats to, to spot the trends of people that aren't coming to your site. To encourage them to come more often. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, Dave Wright on uh, two or three weeks back and he was saying one of the big things. He was saying, as long as we know, if we're getting people to turn up three times a week, we know they're going to be here forever. Yeah. But the minute they start dropping to two or one, yeah. that's where we need to chase them quickly. Once they get to zero a week, we know we're in big trouble. Yeah. So don't let them drop between two or one, Yeah, um, which is a big thing. So what about, obviously, we've seen this big Netflix thing that's going on now. Stop password sharing. Stop password sharing. <laughs> yeah. How are gym owners stopping other people from, like, sharing their memberships or using their fobs and stuff to go in under different memberships? Do you know what? It's really – I think it's a difficult thing to do unless you know your members. And I think that's the beauty of our guys. Generally, the independent gyms will have a smaller member base, maybe 500 average, 600 average. Yeah. But the independent gyms will probably know most of those members 
by name, by face, and I recognise it. And I think it's an honesty play from a member's perspective to not take the piss and use your mate's membership card. Yeah, everyone gets away with it every now and again. But I think it takes the piss out of the gym owner, and I think that's where the issues come in. I think our guys are fortunate that they'll see who it is coming in. If a, system, if a membership system can flash up a photo behind the desk so it matches the person to the thing, that's the obvious one. I think most do that. But for me, it's I think this is where it comes down to the owner and the, the, the facility itself, the, mem- the people that work in that club, being close to their members. So A, they don't want to then share their membership because they feel like they're like a prick if they do. But if they do, they get spotted and they get found out. And it's a simple conversation to nip it in the bud quick. You see stories where, not stories, I see in Pure Gym all the time where two people are trying to squeeze into that pot together. And it's like, to me, it's, I think that's where you can, when you're a Pure Gym with thousands of members and minimal staff, maybe two or three members of staff at most, they're not going to know a 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 <laughs> club. And the dog did, the dog agrees as well. The dog agrees. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's look at retention a bit more then. What strategies are you seeing a lot of the clubs and like studios using right now? Obviously, to get to know the members is one thing. And obviously, Dave Wright was talking about like the my zone and the gamification yeah. of stuff. But what other things are you seeing? Yeah, I think um I've always said retentions, it's it's not just individual things that improve retention, it's the whole experience of of, of that member. And I think it's you've got to create a facility where people want to go to, and that, that's individual to each site. Um, my dog wants to go out now; it's typical. I'm just going to swing around; people can see where this. Off you go. <laughs> um, for me, I think challenges are brilliant. I think creating community engagement is brilliant. It's hard to pin. Um, anything you can do to get closer to your members, and that is that is unique. So. As a business, we've just launched a series of my zone challenges where we get in gyms to go head to head, and that works really well. It engages the community. For me, though, a lot of it comes down to the conversations between the staff and the member. When I worked at David Lloyd, nobody could walk past reception without somebody saying hello to them, and nobody could walk back out the other way without somebody saying goodbye. And those two touch points were crucial. And then when you get into the gym, the gym staff are walking the floor, chatting to members. And it became a place where people wanted to wanted to be. They felt at home, they felt comfortable, and they felt welcome. So I think that's the that almost underpins everything around retention for me, is just having conversations between your team and your staff. And then you could layer up the, the various things to engage better, be that a my zone challenge. We chatted to Braun, which is a new technology about doing lifting challenges, that kind of thing. Um, you know, summer socials, that kind of stuff. So if you, you do a barbecue for your members, they'll remember that kind of thing. And, they you know, they won't get that from Pure Gym and the gym group. That kind of thing. I saw a gym in, in the Midlands, Fitness Works, actually, which are randomly there are seven gyms now. It's probably a small chain of independence. They've just, um, I think they're doing a walk up to Snowdon or something like that, Scarfell Pike. Jones Fitness in Biggleswade have just done Scarfell Pike. But it's with their members. And it's like, it's another yeah. thing. Yeah, the gym's great. We love training. But we've got a lot more engagement and other reasons to be involved in this club than just going and doing my three workouts a week. Nice. Okay. So you may, you mentioned it a few times now. Staff, 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 yeah. staff. How do we find good staff first? And then what are we doing to make sure staff stay on point and obviously keep being a good staff member? It's it's that's probably one of the bigger issues at the moment. It's a tricky it's a tricky time to be finding good good staff, particularly from a from a PT or an instructor perspective. I think what we saw, dreaded lockdown, COVID again, the world went online. PTs, 
realise that there's probably more money to be made from online coaching than there is from in person is swinging back a little bit. But people left the industry; they don't want to do the face to face. So for our guys, what there's, there's a few ways they've done it is introducing an element, a, an education academy within their within their business. So they run PT courses, and then they have first dibs on those PTs. Yeah. Or the other option is just finding members of your club that are almost fanatical about what you do. They love being in the gym. They love what you are. It's almost their second home. And it's speaking to them and encouraging them to then do their own course to then look at a job within the club as well. So from a fitness perspective, that's one. I would always try to recruit from within your members base if you can, because I just think they're already passionate about what you do if they're there. And you'll know what they're like as a person, as opposed to having a, you know, a two or three stage interview with somebody you've met on Indeed. It's a bit of a different different conversation, isn't it? You've almost done the pre-vetting of your members to know if you like them or not and whether you'd want them working for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, how do we now keep them following our ethos or our brand, our mission, that kind of like this is how we want to run our fitness business? Yeah, it's. Um, I think keeping them is, it can be tricky because everybody or a lot of people want progression. And I think our industry is a very shallow industry. It's PT, manager, and then where do you go from there? Particularly in the independent world, it, it's, it's the owner and then maybe one or two below. So there's not a lot of progression. And you might have to take the approach that we're going to make this the best person we can with a view to them spitting out the other end and going on to, to new things. I think you've got to encourage your staff to buy into your ethos and how you want to run the gym and your values which is hard, but I think that's bringing them in closer. It's involving them in not decisions necessarily, but keeping them aware of why you are doing things, keeping them aware of your processes. You talked about, I think you've, you've, um, you had like a playbook, didn't you, when you ran your studio and it was almost everything that every system and process that you wanted to run. Turn the lights on, close the shutter. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's little things like that. As long as they know your standards and they buy into your standards, I think you can keep them happy um offering them opportunity offering them added responsibility if they want it that sort of thing saying thank you to them giving them praise when they've done a great job i think that's the hardest thing if people don't say well done i think the, it's probably easy to say why didn't you turn the lights off when you locked up last night but it's probably not easy to say great session the members are loving it i think that's the harder thing to do so it's, it's a mixed bag isn't it but i think it, it's staff it's members it's just being close to them if you treat people with respect and you engage with them and you you know treat them as a, as a decent person they're going to hopefully reciprocate that and uh, everything's rosy nice okay let's dive into the final question i have and the, my most excited question what lead gen strategies are you seeing a lot of these uh, gyms and studios using right now yeah um facebook ads is the obvious one i think but it's think it's a changing game when we say facebook ads i'll probably say digital membership or social selling um right. i think the I think each platform, you probably know better, but each platform, I think for me, from an organic perspective, is changing. So I noticed from Facebook that when we post on Facebook, the reach is so low. We don't really do paid ads as a rule, but the reach is so low. Whereas Instagram is probably decent. We start in TikTok, but I'm probably a bit old for TikTok to do it properly. I'll have to get someone to do that for me. But I think it's that's where, what is it, Gen Z, millennials, that's where they're sitting at the minute. So I think digital lead gen from a digital perspective is about social selling at the moment. Um, for me, I think it's, it's not a lazy route. I think you have to do social selling and lead gen, obviously lead deck being ideal for that. 
And I think you almost have to drop a few quid every month into adverts of the right type, and, but have the structure in place. But I think where, probably going back to my olden days, I think a lot of people ignore offline activity. Yeah. So why, I mean, it's, it's, it's laborious. I'd go and deliver leaflets around the streets. I'd pick a couple of roads and put a free day pass through the doors. I'd go to, I'd, you know, go to Tesco's and Sainsbury's with a, with a spin bike and, you know, get shoppers on it with a data capture, that kind of thing. I think people, I think 100% the focus is on online digital advertising because it's, you can automate that quite easily with the funnels that you mentioned and the, the process of dropping them in at the top and bringing them in as a member. But I think if you can go out and get those, the manual offline kind of stuff, I think that can that can layer up into what you do. Hey, I'm just going to pause it there really quickly. If you know any guests that would love to feature or if you yourself would like to feature on one of these episodes, do let us know by reaching out or letting us know in the comments. Anyway, let's get back into the episode. But that that's it's 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 becoming untapped because nobody wants like they like say it's not laziness it's maybe they don't think of it as yeah. the way because everyone always talks about online 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 yeah. but like you say going to your local butchers having a conversation see what partnership that you can set up with them so they can maybe offer some sort of discount yeah. in return building up so you said about going into uh, Sainsbury's or Tesco's or there are other supermarket chains available type of thing. How did you do that? I, I'd, ne I'd never, I'd never do that. I've never done that. How, how do you go about doing something like that? Yeah, do you know, I think it's, um, it's about relationships again. It's about offering. You got to tap into the general manager or a manager at the site to be able to get permission to do that. You probably got to slip them a membership for a month or two as a, as a thank you. So it's probably going to happen. It doesn't cost you anything, and you know, if they come in and buy those three protein bars a week, you've made money off that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's about lead data capture and about proving worth. So you've got to build the relationship and, and reach out to these sites yourself. I would probably pick a 10 mile radius of where my gym is and find the significant outlets where there's a lot of footfall, a lot of traffic, be that train stations, shopping centers, or whatever it might be, and then make contact with who runs those sites and just talk about what you want to do and offer them something in return. That's and simple. I think the tricky bit is finding the right people to go and do that. I think you've got to be confident in yourself to approach random people and try and get names and numbers. And a lot of people don't like doing that. Yeah. A lot of, some people, some people yeah. thrive on it. I was probably in the middle. I knew it worked, so I'd do it. I probably didn't like doing it, but I knew it would work. But it's sort of thing is once you've ripped the band-aid band band off and, you, and you're out there doing it and you spoke to those first couple of people, it becomes almost easy then. Yeah. It's, just, it's the same like when you run ads or anything. When you get those phone numbers appearing on your spreadsheet or system, whatever, you've the some staff will be up for phoning everybody and some of the other staff like oh i'll i'll call them a bit later on and that's mm -hmm. where you kind of upset it so you just jump on linkedin or you just go on the website and find the manager and then just drop yeah. a message to you yeah but I, I, I mean do you know what? if it's local i'd probably just go to the shop and just ask to speak to someone have your brand on you you know look professional look smart brand yourself up in your in your in your gym's sort of uniform if you like and just go and ask to speak to a manager and explain what you want to do I don't think it's that hard. I think we can overcomplicate things really in trying to you know, search LinkedIn. If you've got a, let's say you've got a British gas around the corner with a call center with a thousand people working in it or something like that, that's probably a different route to try and find them. But for something like a simple outreach into Sainsbury's, I mean, you just, just turn up and, and ask to speak to someone. I think flipping back, there's, there's probably another area that I think people, particularly the independent world, can overlook. And that's the, the guests that are coming in, those day pass tickets. 
I think we still want to drive people onto a membership, and I think that's where the, the that's where the steady money comes from, isn't it? That's where the predictability comes from. We can see the direct debit run or the the stripe run each time, and we know roughly what's going to come in. And the bigger that is, the the more we can plan. But the day pass revenue when people come in, the amount of gyms I've been to, I'm like, can I pay a day pass? Yeah, five pound please. There you go, five, and I'm in the door. They've got they don't know who I am. They've not shown me anything, but they don't know who I am. They've got no way of reaching out to me afterwards to say, how do you get on? Do you fancy joining? So I think for me, a lot of gyms overlook data capture on entry. Yeah, it's still a fiver to get in, but just drop your name and email in here and tick the box as a park you sort of thing. And then you've yeah. got that email that you can then follow up with to, to encourage either membership or if your membership's not right, you know, day pass offers at a later date. You might want to do a half price day passes over a week or something to encourage more football in quieter times, but you've got that data. It's all about data, isn't it? At the end of the day, names and e- name and an email and you can, you can do a lot with that. You can do it. Like you say, and like you say there, you, you just talk to your members. Like if you've got 500, 500 plus members in your gym, there's going to be a couple of members who are managers somewhere or they're connected yeah. to a manager somewhere that you can go in and present to. So yeah. I've asked a load of questions on, um, on just running a business in general, but why do you think there is a big rise of independence at the minute? Why is everybody wanting to open gyms and studios and so forth? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think there's a few reasons for this. I think I think there's been a boom in the whole PT industry for starters. I think there's more and more courses. It's cheaper and quicker to be a PT. The Instagram generation has encouraged more people to get into fitness. I think it's probably more popular to go to the gym than a bar at times. So I think just as a rule, as an overall, I think I think the UK, well, the millennials and Gen Zs and, the, and people slightly younger than me are now really into their fitness. Once you've built a client base, it's aspirational to then want to have your own facility. A lot of people work out of a club, but then think, hang on, I could do this for myself. I think tied in with particularly recently, a change in planning law and planning the sort of requirements. I think you can you can open a facility without having to have change of use in various sort of scenarios. So I think it's easier in that respect. And I also think it's it's probably never been cheaper to buy gym equipment or commercial gym equipment. Yeah. I think I think back 10 years when I started selling equipment, there was probably five or six of the big brands and then a couple of resellers underneath that. And that was pretty much it. Now you could you could spend hours listing out equipment suppliers, and there's only one way that goes really is that it, things get cheaper. If I was yeah. going to open, launch a brand now of equipment, the only way to really make an impact is to be cheaper than the cheapest person. So I think there's always I think it's easier to find a location and to kit it out and to reach people through social media. I think you know if you start advertising on TikTok and Instagram, you'll reach a lot of people. So you can build an audience, and if you're a PT that takes your 30 or 40 clients with you into that new site as a small group PT model, you're probably close to breaking even anyway. And then you've got an established business. So you spend a couple of years saving the money, you lease the rest of the equipment, you open your site and you're, and you're away. I think keeping them open is the harder part, but getting them open has never been easier. No, that's true. Yeah. So like I say, once it's open, keeping it staff, lead yeah. gen, sales, retention, everything that we've gone over today. So hope, well, hopefully now, Lift them oh, it's easy, this. isn't it? Just listen to this and go and do it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any questions you think I haven't asked that maybe I should ask on running a business, growing a business and everything that we've covered? No, I, th- I think, you know, I think we've, we've covered a lot, haven't we? I think for me it's about getting people in the door and keeping them in the door. That is, sounds really simple, but that's essentially what it is. Get more people through your door and get them to stay longer. 
So it's a sales and retention. Use automation, use some offline technique, build relationships with your members to keep them there. And very simplistic view, but hopefully that, that works for a lot of people. Nice. Okay. So if people are interested in this, you have a summer conference coming up. Is that correct? Yeah, we do. So we've done a, we've done a few of these now. So part of the business, we, we do the member, the obviously supply resourcing and saving for facilities, but then we also organize two events in person each year. Um, we do a summer and a winter conference. The summer conference is the 6th of July and it's evolved into a bit of a beast. It started out as sort of half a dozen speakers and half a dozen brands with the 50 odd gyms together. Uh, in the summer, we're probably going to have close to 60 brands exhibiting with us. We've got three speaking stages. We have a demo stage as well for for solutions to solution providers to show what they do. We'll probably have in the region of 200 gym owners in a room, maybe more. Um, so yeah, that's 6th of July. Um, and yeah, it's just a great day. We, we cover a huge range of topics, huge array of suppliers. Um, and yeah, if, you, if anybody has their own facility, um, or is looking to open a facility, then um, we, we will do a, a cheeky little half-price ticket deal for those people that, that want to come along and join us. And where is it, sorry? So Solihull, so we do in the Midlands. It's um, If you know the David Lloyd Club in Solihull, it's about 200 yards up from there. It's very local. We've probably got 15,000 square foot of space to fill with, uh, with exhibitors. Um, so it's a good day. We do a social on the evening as well. So if you buy the, the evening ticket, we, uh, we basically hire out a local bar on a bit of food and drink it's very um probably the best part of it if i'm honest with you yeah, the day's great but the evening's better obviously your guys came to the last one we did in the winter didn't they so um if anybody wants an inside uh inside nod on what it's like they can chat to the girls nice nice cool okay and like you say if you're on facebook now or whatever channel go head over to facebook search for independent gyms uk and ireland i think it is yeah, yeah uk and ireland yeah if you search independent gyms it's probably going to come up we've got a page and we've got the group obviously we're quite strict with the groups so we really only let owners and the managers in um we want to keep that audience quite tight um, but yeah follow us and, and come and join us if you if you want to reach out to me direct if you want to have a chat about the event or anything that we do um, yeah, just sort of, I'm sure I'm tagged in this. So, uh, yeah, come and find me. Cool. Rob, I appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming on and best of luck with the summer events. And obviously we'll try and get you on further down the line to discuss this probably in more detail or more specific areas that we've talked about today. Love it. Thanks for having me on, Dave. No problem. Speak to you all soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, just want to say a big thank you for sticking around to the end of this week's episode. As a big thank you, head over to thefitproportal.com forward slash free and we'll give you a load of additional guides, social media, Facebook ads, email scripts and so much more to really help you start generating leads, making more sales and growing your fitness business. I'll see you all next time.